Hello. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first live episode of Retail Refined. For those of you who are new to this podcast, we explore the in-store technologies of the future, challenges of today, and have in-depth conversations with some of the biggest names in retail technology to understand what the next decade of retail is going to look like. Today, I'm really excited about our guest. We have um, three fabulous uh, people joining us. First, we have Neha Singh, who is the founder and CEO of Obsess, which is an experiential e-commerce platform enabling retailers to create visual, immersive, and branded online shopping experiences. Previously to founding Obsess, she was the head of product at Vogue, where she for product strategy and technology execution of Vogue's digital business, including content products, ad products, and digital platforms. We also have Hanif Brown, CEO and founder of FitMatch, Hanif considers himself a passionate entrepreneur helping solve real everyday consumer pain points. He spent almost a decade in retail and consumer investment industry prior to founding his company. And then we have Omer Galan, who is the co-founder and CEO of OuterNets. He is a serial entrepreneur and a technologist who specializes in frontier tech, AI, experiential marketing, and rapid pro prototyping for many industry verticals. So I'm really excited of today's conversation to learn a bit more of their companies and how they see the future of retail. To kick off the conversation, I'll start with a question to all of you. We'll go to Neha first, then Hanif, then Omer. Prior to COVID, how did your, first of all, let's give a one-liner of your company. And then prior to COVID, how did your company fit into the digital physical experience of retail? And how how is your company challenging the status quo. Great. Um, so yeah, hi, Melissa. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me. Um, so Obsess is an experiential e-commerce platform. Um, and what that means is, and what we were really doing before COVID and what has accelerated now um, is redefining the online shopping interface. So if you think about e-commerce today, right, like every website that you go to is basically a grid of thumbnails on a white background. And this interface for online shopping was originally created by Amazon 25 years ago to sell books, right? And then somehow from books, it got used for every single product category, it got used for every brand. And so today, the online shopping experience of all retailers is pretty much the same, especially on mobile, where the majority of consumer traffic is. But if you go to a store experience, it's totally different. And the in-store experience is much more about discovery and browsing. And what we are doing is really trying to bring that in-store discovery experience into online shopping. And we do this in um, by creating virtual stores. Um, so we create 3D 360 virtual experiences and our proprietary patent pending technology um, essentially enables this to happen on the web. So you don't need to download an app. You don't need any kind of a headset. It's like a very easy link to follow. You can you know, click a link on Instagram. You can land um, on a retailer's virtual store. And while the current e-commerce interface is great for search and when you know exactly what um, you're looking for, um, the use case of um, the discovery is what we are bringing in through these experiences. And essentially, yeah, prior to COVID, we were um, focusing on a bunch of use cases. Now our use cases have increased a lot, but before I would say enhanced e-commerce experience, um, you know, experiential marketing, um, 
and also like new collections. So we have done a lot of work with fashion brands and beauty brands and so new um, collection launches. All of these were moments where retailers can really bring a more special experience um, to online shopping. And I'll summarize by saying essentially that um, so omni-channel, the way it's been talked about for the last um, several years is really about kind of the logistics piece of it and how we can get um, products delivered on all different channels. But the next phase of omni-channel is going to be about experience is because experience is so dramatically different between these different channels, right? And how can you now bring that experience um, that, you know, um, brands were doing through pop-up stores and activations uh, but how can you bring that same experience online and how can you create special experiences online? Um, so that's what experiential e-commerce means. And that's expected to have huge growth over the next five years. And that's what we focus on. Well, I'm definitely interested in digging in deeper because we're all about experiential retail. So great way to kick off the conversation. Um, Omer? Um, so, you know, Neha said that she's focused on bringing the, the offline experience online. And we're uh, we're looking for exactly you know the other way around. We're trying to infuse uh, offline spaces with web capabilities, so we can make those passive and and kind of stale uh, monologues that retailers tends to tend to start breaking into uh, on physical retail with capabilities of personalization, of interaction, and and data analytics that helps them get these incremental um, improvements in their um, in their stores. We also believe that you know that it's so critical to make the experience um, um, come first, right? We notice how e-commerce and digital in general they've reached this incredibly detailed understanding of their customers' buying patterns and what drives them to engage. Um, they even use this data to constantly improve their customer experiences. So alternates bring that same analytical process and dynamic responsiveness of e-commerce offline, outside of our personal devices. Great. So another word we have to dig into, dynamic retail. Uh, two words, really, but uh, experiential and dynamic is going to be a through line today. Hanif, how about how about FitMatch? Yeah, so at FitMatch, we're combining 3D and AI technologies to deliver an integrated online and offline, no contact, apparel shopping journey that means consumers will never have to try on clothes again. You know, we connect individualized biometric data we collect from shoppers in a physical retail setting with an apparel brand's product data. Our technology also integrates with the brand's websites, enabling an entirely shopping experience. Each shopper will be presented with only items that fit them 90% or better, and the rest is hidden. So my experience will be completely different from yours and so on. Brands can also take the data that we collect and proactively market to shoppers on our platform on an ongoing basis, personalized text messages and offering uh, proactive recommendations. The end-to-end -end shopping experience hasn't really changed in apparel for the past 50 years. While there have been examples of in-store technology on retail floors, in our opinion, we haven't seen any truly bold innovation that materially on a large scale um, by large retailers impacts offline to online retail and vice versa. So before COVID, um, the headline on our homepage said, never have to try on clothes again. And we're COVID right now, fast forward, 
where dressing rooms are closed, right? According to First Insight, two thirds of women have indicated that they're actually terrified of going into fitting rooms and they will not be doing it again. So we were sort of building this customer journey where we were trying to say, look, we're in the 21st century, trying on clothes sucks. Like, why do you have to try on to have uh, validation that it would fit you? And then COVID has really accelerated that. Before COVID, we were in very asset light, no inventory showroom experiences. Now in COVID, we believe and after, that's gonna be the new normal for retailers. It's gonna be more trimmed down um, uh, uh, asset light boxes that really drive the physical experience going forward. And then lastly, we're getting a completely seamless omnichannel experience, both bridging physical and digital by giving brands um, a menu card of APIs that they could integrate into their website and then giving shoppers the ability to go directly to the brand's website to get this experience, which we also think will accelerate post-COVID. Yes, well, I've had the privilege, um, my company and I, of working with you, Hanif, and, and seeing firsthand how consumers respond to building a body avatar in a dressing room. And, you know, what I think is fascinating is a lot of the technologies we're talking about today, you know, they're not new. You guys have been at this for a little for a little while now, but, but necessity drives innovation and it drives consumer adoption. And so it's really opening up the possibilities here. You know, I agree with what you're saying, Hanif, about asset light locations. I think there's gonna be a much more concerted effort on curation, what takes up space in, in a physical store um, and what, what's a, you know, what do you keep online and really more of that kind of showrooming, experiential, fluid, you know, agile store format. So. Um, you guys are all sitting in a really um, exciting place. Maya, for what you do, you know, there's been a lot of conversations. Does technology work for every category? You know, so where are you seeing the best fit right now within retail? What's, what, what categories, what sectors? Yeah, what's interesting is that's something that has, I think, changed a lot in the last three to four months. So prior to this, we were mainly focusing on fashion and beauty, um, essentially visual categories, right, where it is more um, about discovery. So if you think about new modalities of kind of online shopping, like voice has been talked about for a long time, um, automated subscriptions, all of that, but that's never going to work for visual categories where you have to see the product and you're not. Um, so, um, so those were the categories we were. However, now it's really expanded uh, to a lot. So we are working uh, with everything from telecom to big box retailers to, um, you know, really a lot of different categories. And um, we were focused on more of a luxury um, and premium price point before. Um, but now what we are finding, it's really kind of um, whatever the price point may be to um, be able to create um, a better online experience for their consumers. As you said, it's out of necessity now that that is becoming the main channel and will continue um, to be that. But overall, I would say it's still, um, for us, it's really visual categories. Uh, mostly, I think, is where it's most effective, where you um, need to see the product, you need to see it in context, um, where you want to tell more of a story, um, about the product or about the brand where that's part of the purchase decision and it's not purely a price-driven decision. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. And and Omer, I think about the growing importance of the storefront window right now, you know, 
And that being something that really needs to be able to flex from a point of storytelling to a point of purchase. And I mean, that's kind of, you, you know, a sweet spot where you guys sit. Can you talk a little bit about that and how you see that evolving, especially as you're seeing consumers, you know, we're living, I call it in that, you know, BYOD, bring your own device economy. Well, we certainly enjoy that uh, increasing demand in contact-free interfaces. Um, we, use, uh, we use camera to, to transform um, user interface to be who you are and your body, you know, your body language, your hand gestures, your facial expressions, uh, anywhere from smile to learn more or high five a virtual concierge to, to try on a product or take a, take a virtual tour of the space. Um, we, we definitely, so activating the storefront in a way that it's contact free, it's great having the right, you know, data to personalize people's response. Uh, we see a lot of demand now in financial services. They have all these retail that's standing empty. Um, they, we, a lot of cable companies, telecommunication companies, um, a lot more than we had before. Um, conversations were very slow in the past. Everyone like contact free is nice, but we just bought these beautiful uh, high, you know, high touch uh, screens, um, high definition touch screens. And now all those folks are coming to us. Can you help us make that uh, touch screens directories or or, or or whatnot into into a point of sale? Um, so we so we help we help a lot of brands right now in um, offering these uh, sales opportunities at the point of engagement, capturing people outside the store while the store is closed. So I think this is some stores have these thousands of locations that are now standing empty and they can't they can't open them. And we see that in Brazil and in Argentina and a lot of other countries. Um, and we definitely help them, you know, bring their stores to life and make sure that their real estate is working for them. I love both of you mentioning categories that, you know, may be unexpected for the conversation. Um, and I definitely want to dig into some of the surprises that you've seen a little bit later. Hanif, um, you know, we're another theme we're talking about, especially with FitMatch, is the opportunity of personalization. Right. And and I think, you know, you're seeing a push more and more into that and consumers expecting that. So tell us how how FitMatch, how you guys are helping your clients do that for their customers. Yeah. So, you know, we are strong believers that what is needed in apparel retail is a transformative overhaul in the way we shop um, down to the studs. And so if you look at what shoppers are and the new evolved customer base is really used to, they're used to experiences, but data-driven experiences. Um, the new generation willing to look data in exchange for propositions, see as incremental and in help their lives uh, in, in various ways. Also, um, the new generation or the new sort of uh, retail landscape needs to leverage modern day advances in fulfillment. Not everything needs to be on a shelf. Not everything needs to be presented to a shopper. Things can be delivered in literally almost the same day or next day. And so how do you build an experience that leverages that capability? And then the biggest thing I see is that shoppers and the new generation are um, very used to less is more, right? So back to the point of personalization, when Uber sends you a car, Uber doesn't send you five different options for your, for your choice. They send you one car because they know exactly that's the best car to get you from point A to point B out of millions of permutations. And, and, and customers are used to that. They don't challenge Uber. Um, and similarly, Netflix has made the remote obsolete 
So now Netflix sort of knows exactly what Melissa likes and they present her content because they sort of understand that she will likely watch this, this, and this. So we believe from an overall perspective, that's what we need to be able to present to both brands and to shoppers. It's really pushing the needle and trying to get very aggressive on concept where brands are showing shoppers about 10 to 20 times more assortment than that shopper really needs to Brands should understand enough information or about the shopper where they can curate what they market to that shopper and also shoppers should be able to have enough information on the brand and that skew where they can better predict what they should buy. And so we're really, uh, the fit um, uh, uh, parameter to drive home this uh, personalization. Um, and we're, we believe we're in the first or the second innings of what is a very long game over the next decade of what this would look like um, you know, a few years out and we're using data and AI to really help brands and shoppers achieve this digital utopia. Mm -hmm. No, I think, it, you know, fit technology, we've talked about it for a long time and it was either imperfect or, you know, consumers didn't take the time to really experiment with it. And now there's more openness to it. So it's exciting to see how you'll continue to perfect that and what information that can continue to provide brands and retailers so they could improve it and provide better service in that sense. Um, Neha and Omer, what experiments are going on with you guys um, in stores from a retailtainment aspect? And how is that, in your opinion, shaping what consumers are gonna want in the future? Um, yeah, so from our side, in terms of in-store experiences, um, also going back to kind of you said about one of the surprises, but one of the surprises for us um, more recently has been use cases of our platform for in-store. So as I said, we are focused on virtual um, stores for online shopping, um, but now retailers are also starting to use our um, platform um, in-store. So not so much related to retail entertainment, I guess, as you said, but uh, for very kind of practical use cases. Um, especially like let's say for the upcoming holiday season where um, retailers really need to find alternate strategies um, that don't drive a lot of foot traffic to the store which they've traditionally um, relied on. Um, we are basically creating virtual stores uh, for retailers to let consumers shop them um, while they're waiting in line, uh, while they're waiting in their cars uh, and for them to just place their order that can be brought um, out to them. And this is of course not like um, categories where it's obvious like fast food, but actually like fashion and categories like this um, are thinking about this new consumer flow in um, sort of like in-store or I guess right outside the store, which has been um, quite interesting. Um, other, um, another kind of interesting um, use case we have seen um, is retailers that are just taking this opportunity to create a completely different type of virtual retail experience. So instead of trying to um, replicate, you know, like their store and offering that for virtual shopping outside or, um, you know, at home, um, they're creating like brand new experiences. And that's really kind of, that really is exciting for us because that's um, the ultimate vision of our platform is that the store doesn't have to like look like a store. It can really look like anything. Um, so we have um, that has been like a very um, interesting use case. We are also seeing 
Um, some retailers really treat virtual as a new sales channel. Um, so especially retailers that have been closing a lot of uh, physical stores lately, they are reallocating some of the sales teams that were in those stores to now um, using the 3D virtual representation of the store as the sales channel. So it's a little bit different use case from just talking about it in the enhanced e-commerce experience, but they're really looking at it as basically there's our e-commerce channel, there's our virtual channel, and then there's like the physical retail channel. So that's kind of some of the interesting things in the context of um, retail um, that we have seen. I love that you bring up the store stuff because you know what we saw successfully for brands was those that were able to shift their in-store staff to kind of that the the call center you know i mean they're at the front lines usually they know all the frequently asked questions they know the pain points they know what customers like gravitate to questions so they've been really effective being on the phones and and being able to be um a resource to help customers that have questions Almer, how about you mm -hmm. We saw a lot of the, well, the fun stuff that we did before, like a virtual try-on and AR kind of experiences. Um, a lot of attempts to boost digital engagement from within the store. Um, some of the more interesting, I think, and more innovative use cases that I've seen now um, as requests from customers, which is kind of funny. They, they, they took this gamification aspect that we're working on and they, they, they turned it into personification. Now, now they want to have this uh, virtual concierge or virtual uh, you know, personification of the brand that will speak to people, would give them anything from um, customer service and, and support right there at the store um, to, to wayfinding that will help you find what you want, you know, the, in the quickest, quickest way possible. Um, and I think that this AI shopping assistants that, that are basically an animated character that, that, that speaks to you when you come in and, and they tell you, hey, good morning, and not in a creepy way, right? Would use your name, not that you say, hey, Melissa, uh, <laughs> what happened to this item that you left in the cart? But it's more, it will offer you convenience um, in a way that keeps your privacy, right? In a way that, that would keep your details um, hidden, but allows you to, to communicate, communicate and have a conversation uh, with people in the store in a way that is scalable and doesn't require you this one to one engagement. What we've seen is, you know, they're trying to automate as much of the customer journey as possible, even within the store. I think it makes sense since for every customer, for every sales associate that you have in the store, it's one less customer uh, that you that you can um, that you can um, uh, tend to at any given moment. Then using this digital signage within the store to communicate with people, create create this flowing conversation, help them find what they need what they need um, quickly and close them. Uh, that that's one of the most innovative uh, things that we've seen. Lately. And I love that you're talking about surprising and delighting because, you know, we're living in this world of COVID where everybody's so focused on safety measures that they're forgetting about brand voice and they're forgetting that shopping is an emotional experience. And we can't forget about these little moments of surprise and delight. That's what the consumer is going to walk away feeling good about. And it's going to be what they talk about to their friends. And it's going to be what makes them want to come back again. Um, so I have, so I, I've also... What were we gonna, I'm sorry, what did you say? I'm, I'm saying they're certainly not going to talk about the free mask that they got at the entrance <laughs> of the store, right? <laughs> no, they're probably, they're probably going to talk about the brand that charges them to buy a mask to go in the store, though. Um, so that's a whole other conversation, this PPE tax. But, um, but one thing I also um, have been talking about a lot 
is the shrinking of the generational gap. And I think that's really important as we have this technology conversation, because as you're working with brands and retailers, a lot of the times, you know, if their target market was Gen Z or millennial, they felt, okay, technology integration is appropriate, but now it doesn't matter what age you are, you're at home and you're needing to adopt technology in order to interact, in order to shop. So maybe if each one of you, maybe we can start with you, Hanif, what have you seen in that aspect? Have you seen you know, your, that, that um, age range widen um, and more open-mindedness that there aren't limitations to which generations can yeah. adopt technology? Um, yeah, so for our platform, we were definitely targeting um, Gen Z and younger millennials, traditionally um, people who are more, you know, primarily mobile, more open to trying um, new technologies. But definitely what we have seen um, over the last few months is traditionally um, retailers whose audience, who are in like different categories and whose audience is um, older, they are also much more open to um, this now because ultimately, you know, making the online shopping experience more intuitive, which is what um, we are doing because when it's in 3D, it's how the real world is, right? The real world is 3D, things are all around us. Mm -hmm. If you think about it, the, you know, current online web interface is a very forced and, um, you know, different thing. And when we actually get to something that's much more natural, um, that, you know, you can just, without needing a lot of instruction, you can actually just navigate it because it's how you navigate the real world. Um, so that's kind of, I guess, the beauty of it is as we move forward with all the technologies that we have talked about today, it's really getting us closer and closer uh, to how things are naturally, you know, so like technology is finally getting to the point of yeah, and all of that, which is just what you would expect. Um, and so it becomes applicable to a much um, wider audience too. Um, I think for us, um, it will continue like the majority of the retailers that use technologies like ours will continue to be ones that um, are really trying to capture that new generation and it's a way for um, them to do so. But I think fundamentally the technology can be used by anyone and it's um, easy. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's different, but I, I bring up my mom as like a, a perfect example. She's going to be famous because I keep mentioning her. But um, but she's she was at home trying to figure out, you know, how not to have her gray hair, and she wasn't anywhere near comfortable going to a salon even, even when they opened up. And so she downloaded her first augmented reality app from Madison Reed and found her perfect color. And she was off by a little bit the first time, and then we tweaked it one shade over, and now she's done it like six times, and she's a new customer of theirs, and she would have never done that before. But she, her first comment was, wow, that was so easy, you know? So I do think it's opening up uh, mindset, and um, which is exciting. So Omer, how about you? I think this is the most exciting time for, for startups and, 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 and tech companies. I think, you know, COVID shuffled all the cards for everyone, right? I think on the on the customer side, as you said, my 70-year-old mother also finally learned how to use Zoom and, 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 and open up to technologies that she would never in her life uh, would give, you know, would give a time of day, like a digital wallet and, and, and speaking to some virtual bankers that she would never even consider before. On, um, on the so definitely a lot of education supercharged with education on how to use technology and and, and how to um, and how to adopt it uh, with less of a fight. Um, on on the brand side, on the on the company side, we did the same exactly for these ex executives, right? If they used to be um, worried about innovation because you know, innovation kind of equals to change and change is painful, and they were in inherently incentivized 
for not taking action, right? You, you would not risk your job by just sitting on your hands and not, you know, and not destroying anything. And then you eventually would be promoted. Now, if they don't take action, they would lose their job. So all of a sudden people are um, looking to explore. They're looking to adopt new things. They're looking to take a risk because it's, a, it's, a, it's better to take, to take a risk than to be passive and, and, and lose out on, on the game itself. So we definitely see a lot of openness and, and uh, willing to adopt and a lot faster uh, from from both sides of the table. And it's, it's, it's now cross-generational um, and, and, and cross-culture as well. And, and we see that. I used to see, the thing is Israel, where I come from, is, is super innovative. People are early adopters. Uh, but now we're getting requests also from Africa, Nigeria, places that I would, I would never uh, expect, you know, that to, to want to speak to an avatar. Um, and so this is a very exciting time. I do. I think it is an exciting time. And unfortunately, I think Kanif, is, he's, he's like frozen in time. So um, <laughs> I might just be bouncing back to you and Neha for now. But um, I agree. You know, I've, I've sat in so many meetings, virtual, of course, um, where there's so much more open mindedness of let's just try this, you know, and I think that's exciting, you know, when you think of technology, because you're always inching ahead, you know, you got to do that one beta test and what qualifies in order to do, you know, maybe a couple more stores and then do a rollout. And I think we're going from testing to rollout much faster. Um, this is such a simple thing. I was, I was, um, I was uh, in Hoboken mm -hmm. on Friday night, you know, heading home and it started raining outside, but everybody wanted to sit outside and literally people just popped open their umbrella, their own umbrella and sat and four people at a table with their own umbrellas at eight. And like, that's not technology duration, but my point is people are like, I'm just gonna make stuff work. I'm gonna be open-minded. I'm gonna be agile. Um, and so I think that is indicative of, of kind of like the time we're living in and the opportunities it gives us. So Hanif, are you back? I see movement. Maybe. Yeah, I'm, I'm not frozen and uh, let's let's see. What I, what I wanted to say is, I wanted to also say a more, um, uh, data-driven sort of economic way as well. So for example, in apparel, if, if we don't actually adopt technology, it's going to put more pressure on the store model to work um, because essentially um, what will happen in apparel, and we've already started to talk to a lot of brands about this, their return rate in store is starting to mimic what online is, except in store, they have to pay labor and rent. So what's going to happen is if you, it's almost, yes, the user is changing and you have to adopt technology and et cetera, I get it. But economically, you have to do it as well, because um, from a margin perspective, um, it's really, really um, difficult to have, let's say, things that return rates creep up in the physical world and so i think the largest brands and the most innovative brands recognize this um, and so they're sort of taking leaps ahead um, to adopt technology around this issue um, because they see the differences um, from a, not only from a customer satisfaction perspective but also from a pure economic perspective as well no those are those are all great points um, it's it's, a, it's an interesting thing how we're gonna have to 
brands and retailers are really going to have to relook at what that model is. You know, there's already a, a relook at when it comes to the in-store environment. You know, it's not about just four-wall profitability, and we need to think of the halo effect, and we need to think of you know what attribution really means. I think what's exciting is a lot of this technology integration is helping better track that. Um, but as a whole, we're going to have to whole, have a rethink of um, what what does the successful business model look like. Um, how what to you guys? Um, we could start with you, Neha. What what brands do you think are doing well right now? Who's 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 kind of at the edge of innovation, um, and who's who's doing a good job in meeting their customers? Um, it's a good question. Um, I think from um, kind of the areas where we kind of sit in the most, I would say from what I've um, read in the last like a uh, few months, I think um, on the luxury side, like Gucci and Balmain have done um, really interesting things in terms of um, Gucci creating this like store that was dedicated to just online shopping. Um, it was, a, it's a store basically where um, there's a concierge and you can, um, the whole store is set up, but it, you, it's not for physically visiting it. It's completely uh, for digital. I think that's, um, as we talked also about like asset light um, retail spaces, that's a really interesting model. Um, for Balmain, um, they have done um, a, a really interesting experience for wholesale buyers. And we didn't really touch on that piece yet. But of course, for a lot of these brands that we are talking about, um, you know, wholesale is, uh, still a big channel uh, for them. They have their own stores, but they're also selling through um, these multi-brand um, retailers. And just as we talk about the consumer experience, um, you know, what about the buyer experience? Because previously that was all done in person and everybody flew from all around the world, whether for fashion shows or, you know, in other categories to showrooms. And that has completely changed. And that in fact has, you know, um, it's even much of a harder stop almost than the consumer pieces. So we have worked, we have actually, that's been a big new use case for us um, that we were not focusing on at all, sort of the B2B category, but we have launched about eight virtual showrooms in the last month uh, for different brands. Um, and, but anyway, Balmain did like a very cool, um, they were one of the first ones even like, I think almost like a couple of months ago where they really put in the investment to create a better, um, experience for buyers and what's cool is like you know once you create these experiences for buyers then you can actually uh, also show them to consumers when the products are available on sale um, in the next season um, so I think the, those are a couple of um, specifically in the fashion category those are a few examples that come to mind I love it so how, how about you Amir I think the luxury or luxury clients are doing exceptionally well uh, even though even those that had to close a thousand stores in China uh, when COVID hits, when now when they reopen, they're starting to, to regain um, their their profits again and their business. I think luxury for them, you know, besides the investments that they're doing, very heavy investments in technology and customer experience, um, the some one of the things that in luxury it always makes you feel good. First of all, it's so expensive; not too many people are in the store, so you feel safe uh, to come in and experience. But um, you know, besides that, they put a lot of effort in every detail. I think that that really matters, and it changes the way that you perceive the place and um, experience the brand. I would also, you know, I, I can't disclose the exact details, but there are some other brands that are working exceptionally well, and, and some of them are uh, are CPGs, and, and you know, that are trying very hard to take back control on their own narratives and putting those uh, displays in the in their aisles. In, in large box, uh, big box retailers. So they would 
get to educate their customers firsthand, be agile in the way that they control the messages, um, and, and gain more insights that accelerate um, buying decisions and get people to be involved. So, so definitely the, the two the, the two areas that we've seen a lot of movement there in there in that case was luxury and and the From a humanity perspective, I've I've always um, a huge shout out all the grocers as well. Um, you know how they've pivoted to a no contact curbside pickup model. Um, you know, like I just think of the thousand, the millions of potential people they're keeping away from each other, and um, you know, literally um, pivoting that hard that quickly. Um, to an online uh, grocery model, um, I don't know the tangible impact that has had on life. Be sure um, it has had a pretty significant impact on on stopping the spread of the virus. Um, you know, through these you know uh, online grocery um, uh, you know features and platforms, and then selfishly, I guess for me in in, in the apparel slash consumer world. You know, I, I think Nike is leading the way um, in a lot of respects. Um, they opened um, uh, their, their new house of innovation in Paris, which is like just a phenomenal experience um, in terms of just uh, just customer and consumer innovation. Um, and they op they're op uh, really uh, powerful, digitally enabled, digitally enhanced um stores across the world as they sort of pivot to their direct business um and so they're really taking i, I think a, a strong leadership position in putting physical retail in the mix but using it to really drive personalization using it to drive a end-to-end uh, -end, uh, sort of one-to-one -one experience that makes it worthwhile to go there, um, and I would say from a consumer sort of um, perspective, um, I, I would give them very high marks in what they've been able to do so far. Can you can you guys hear me now? Can you hear me now? Okay, I I yes. definitely love technology until it doesn't work. Um, so. Um, I think we're in a very exciting time with an evolving consumer that's really open-minded to the possibility of technology, helping check the box for brands and retailers being more open-minded for it. And what each one of your companies is helping move the needle forward across experiential and dynamic retail and personalization is really exciting. So thank you so much for being with us today. Um, hopefully our audience will follow up um, and everybody is accessible through through LinkedIn. And um, thanks so much for joining our first episode of Retail Refined, a Market Scale Live podcast. Mm -hmm.